good thought to start the service out with just to be reminded we need to lean on the Lord. Turn around, shake hands and fellowship. Welcome those that might be visiting. Stand word of prayer. Jim Ammons, good to have you home. If you would lead us in prayer. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 392, more about Jesus. You probably won't need a book. They're doing good up there. More about Jesus. More about Jesus would I know. More 
now more about Jesus let me learn more of his holy will discern spirit of God my teacher be showing the things of Christ to me more more about Jesus more more about Jesus more Jesus in his word, holy communion with the Lord, hearing his voice in every line, making each faithful saying mine, more, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. Now the last. More about Jesus on his throne. Riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase. More of his coming prince of peace. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness, more of his love who died for me. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Now, Usher has come forward to receive her offering, and let me remind you that everything you give on Wednesday nights goes in support of the Bible conference. And I want to encourage you each Wednesday night to drop something in and, and everybody to give a little bit and goes a long way in helping us. Uh, the expense of the conference is great and it's months off, but uh, just last year the motel bill was over $6,000 and that gives you an idea of just the expense of it and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And so everything you give on Wednesday night goes into a separate fund and it's used to pay the expense of the Bible conference. So let me encourage you to give and give generously on Wednesday nights. Don't forget now the fellas Justify will be singing this Saturday from 11 to 1 o'clock at Lanham's Bible Bookstore at Brainerd Village. And so if you're free Saturday, go by there and support them and you can do a little Christmas shopping while you're over there as well. But the fellas will be singing over there Saturday at Lanham's. And then also everybody that's in the Christmas program, uh, music, drama, anything like that, uh, you're asked to be here by about around 5.30 tomorrow. I think tomorrow night's a big practice night. And I'm looking forward to the uh, Christmas program. This coming Sunday night, we'll have the uh, drama entitled 10,000 Hallelujahs. And I've heard a lot about it, looking forward to it. And then Sunday week, the choir will be doing something special. So we've got the next two Sunday nights as we uh, celebrate Christmas. 
but you don't want to forget that. But everybody in the program, uh, be here tomorrow at 5.30, and I think it's your uh, big night and practice and all that kind of thing. Let's pray now. You give, and again, everything you give goes to the Bible conference, so let me encourage you to give good. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to give to the Lord. Now, all the things that are going on, we pray your blessings upon them. Pray for Awana next door. <clears throat> pray for our teenagers tonight and their service. Pray for the programs that are coming up over the next couple of weeks. Everything that's going on, just bless and meet every need, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think this is the first time I've ever went solo, and I'm real nervous, so if I get to caterwauling, I've recruited some help. I told them just jump up and start shouting if I go flat or something, so it's kind of take the heat off of me a little bit. Y'all pray for me as I try to sing. I was lost. But you knew where to find me. I was hungry. You were bread for my soul. I was thirsty, and you gave me living water. my shelter when I had no place to go that's why sometimes I just want to thank you and sometimes just to speak your name And some, sometimes I just want to thank you without asking for one thing. Sometimes I just lift my hands to you. Sometimes all I can do is cry. Everything that I have, I owe to you. 
and Calvary is a reason why. When I think of the love that you've shown to me, when I think of the price that you paid just for me, Well, the trials of this old life, they just seem like nothing. When they're compared to dark Calvary. And that's why sometimes I just want to thank you. And sometimes, just to speak your name. And sometimes, I just want to thank you. Without asking for one thing. Sometimes I just lift my hands to you, oh, and sometimes all I can do is cry. Everything that I am, I owe to you, oh, and Calvary is a reason why. Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Kings 17, if you would. 1 Kings chapter 17. Sometimes, like I've been preaching on Sunday mornings about offerings, uh, there are times you just can't help but just lift your hands to the Lord. And sometimes you just can't help but just praise Him, and sometimes you just can't help but just to kneel before Him and thank Him. But uh, what a blessing. Brother Eddie's a fireman here in the city of Chattanooga. If he can't put your house out, he can bless you singing, so either way you'll win. I want us for a few Wednesday nights to, I guess the best way I know how to describe it is jump on a bus with Elijah and do a little traveling with Elijah back uh, during the campaign trail. Uh, well, the campaign's really not over with, but back when Senator John McCain was running, he had what he called the Talk Back Express. Well, let's jump on the Elijah Express. And for a few Wednesday nights, let's just uh, go with Elijah to certain places. And tonight we want to go to a place called Cherith. Let's stand as we look at 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, we're going to go, as I said, for the next few Wednesday nights. We're going to just go different places with Elijah. And if I was to give a title to our studies on Wednesday night, it'd simply be On the Road with Elijah. Or Elijah. Tonight I want us to think about the thought, let's go to Cherith with Elijah. We often pronounce it Cherith, but it's literally pronounced Cherith. So I want us to go down to Cherith or Cherith, however you want to say it, and let's go to Cherith with Elijah. 1 Kings 17, notice beginning in verse 1. The Bible said, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, 
as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And notice verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him, that is Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the book Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray, and, and let's go to Cherith with Elijah tonight. And we'll glean from this passage here in the next Wednesday night. Lord willing, we'll go down to Zarephath with Elijah. And then a few weeks later, we'll head to Mount Carmel in different places. But we'll get on the bus with Elijah, and let's travel with him for a few weeks. Let's pray. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the reading of the Word of God. And I want to thank you, Lord, for this dear man of God that we're about to look at for a few Wednesday nights. And we ask you, Lord, that you might take his extraordinary life and that you might use it to speak to our own hearts and to speak to our own lives. I pray, dear Lord, that you take the Word of God and may we glean from the Word of God and may we learn from the Word of God and learn from the great examples that you've given to us in the Bible. Now, Father, I pray you bless our midweek service and I pray you bless each one that is here and may it be a, prof may it be a profitable time as we look at the Word of God together. So, Spirit of God, fill us now and we'll thank you and praise you for it is in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake we ask these things. Amen. When I think about Elijah, I am very much aware tonight that there are not enough adjectives in our language to describe this unique man. Elijah was one of the most extraordinary men that ever lived. Just a great, great, great man of God. In fact, he's often called the man of God in the Bible. But again, to me, there's not enough adjectives to describe this extraordinary man. Alexander Wyatt said that he was a Mount Sinai of a man with a heart like a thunderstorm. A Mount Sinai of a man. L.P. Meyer described him as this colossus among us, among ordinary men who dwarfs us all. Francis Dixon said he was God's champion in an evil day. And I guess Oswald Chambers, Sanders rather, put it as good as anybody when he said, everything about Elijah is colorful. There are no neutral tints. When you look at Elijah, you find, as I said, one of the most extraordinary men in the Bible. And the statue of Elijah might be gauged by the fact that he appears on the pages of the New Testament more than any other Old Testament prophet. In fact, I believe, if I counted correctly, there are 27 references to Elijah in the New Testament alone, even though he lived hundreds of years before Christ. 27 times you'll find Elijah referred to in the New Testament. I find it interesting that he was the only prophet that was selected by the Lord to appear with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus Christ and Moses. And there were many, many prophets, and there were many great prophets. There was Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel and many other prophets of God. But Elijah, 
He was the only prophet that was selected to appear with the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. You might say that Elijah is in a unique class of Old Testament characters. You'll find that he's called Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite. We read it a moment ago in verse 1, and Elijah the Tishbite. That's the way he's introduced in the Bible. That's the first time we have any reference to Elijah in the Bible in chapter 17, verse 1, when he's called Elijah the Tishbite. And when he's called Elijah the Tishbite, it's simply indicating where he is from. It's indicating that his birthplace was in a little place called Tishbe of Upper Galilee. But he's called Elijah the Tishbite. Elijah, his name means God is my strength. And I don't know of another man in the Bible that demonstrates the strength of God any more than Elijah. Elijah's very name testifies that he was a man that experienced the strength of God in his, in his life. He suddenly steps into the pages of the Scripture in chapter 17, verse 1, and you find him miraculously leaving up in a whirlwind in a chariot in 2 Kings chapter 2. Again, an extraordinary man. But one of the most fascinating statements about Elijah to me in all the Bible is a New Testament reference. And it is a reference made by James in James 5, 17, when the Bible said that Elias, or Elijah, was a man subject to to like passions as we are. I'm so thankful for that statement. I thank God for that statement by James because as much as I admire Elijah, I understand by what James said that, that Elijah is not a man beyond my comprehension. And Elijah is not a man beyond my understanding. And he's not somebody that I cannot relate to. And he's not somebody that I cannot flesh out in my own life the affairs of his life and the events and the experiences of the life of Elijah. For you see, even though he was an extraordinary man, he was still an ordinary man in one sense. He was a person like me and he's a person like you. And he was subject to the same passions as we are. He's a man that was just ordinary but extraordinarily used of God. So I thank God for that statement because it tells me that here is somebody that I can walk side by side with and here is somebody that I can understand and I can relate to in all areas of life. Well, understanding a little bit about Elijah, I want to get to know him. And I want to, as I said a moment ago, just jump on the bus with Elijah and I want to travel with him for a few Wednesday nights and try to learn a few things about him. One of the ways that you can look at the life of Elijah and highlight the events of his life is by following his story in the Bible and seeing the places he goes. As I mentioned a moment ago in chapter 17, we're going to look at tonight, in verse 3, we find him going to a place that, as I said a moment ago, we often call Cherith or Cherith, but also in chapter 17, in verse 9, you find him going from Cherith down to a place called Zarephath. We'll get on the bus and go with him to Zarephath next Wednesday night. Chapter 18, you find him going to Mount Carmel. And I'm looking forward to that day or the night when we're able to travel to Mount Carmel with Elijah. Chapter 19, you find him in the wilderness. Chapter 2, verse 2 of 2 Kings, you find him by the Jordan River. So there are other places. But as you follow and highlight the life of Elijah, you find him going here, you find him going there, and you find him going in different places. And so if you just travel with him, and just ride with him for a few weeks. You can learn a whole lot about this man of God. So let's travel with him beginning tonight by getting on board and going down to a place called Cherith. You notice in chapter 17, verse 3, the Bible said, Get thee hence, 
and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. Now, the name or the title Cherith there simply means cutting. It was used sometimes to speak of a great separation. Sometimes it was used to describe a ditch. Sometimes it was used to describe a ravine. Sometimes it was used to describe a gorge. I am told in verse 3 that the little brook Cherith there was somewhere before Jordan. That is, that the waters of this little brook fed into the Jordan River. So that kind of gives us a little idea where it may be. But many Bible scholars believe it's what is now known as what a Kelt, a little brook near the city or actually behind where the city of Jericho used to stand. Just a little brook. In fact, it's a brook that is dry during the summertime. And the only time there's any water in it is during the flood time or the fall when the snows of Mount Hermon are melting and the waters are flowing down. But many believe that's the little stream and that is the area that is referred to when it talks about God sending Elijah down the Cherith. But it is described by Bible scholars and those who know the area as one of the wildest ravines of this wild region. You see, when God told Elijah to go to Cherith, he was not sending him down to some luxury town. He was not sending him to Gatlinburg for an interesting weekend. He's not sending down to Myrtle Beach or Panama City. He's not sending him to the beach or to the mountains, not to some beautiful place, but he sent him out there in the middle of a gorge. He sent him out there in the middle of a ravine in a rocky, dry, barren place called Cherith and a little brook that ran through it that was known as the Brook Cherith. You might say it was a good place for someone to hide out. It would be a good place for someone to absent themselves or to get away from everybody. It is interesting, verse 3 said, that God told Elijah that he wanted to go down to Cherith to hide himself. And the word literally means to absent himself. God said, I want you to get away from everybody. I want you to go down to this place called Cherith, and that's where I want you to stay until I tell you to go anywhere else. Well, why did God want him to hide? Well, some have suggested that it was to be for protection. You see, Elijah in verse 1 had just announced to Ahab that it's not going to rain for three years. There'll not even be dew on the ground for three years. Now, I've wondered if Ahab didn't snigger at him at the beginning, but I'm sure about two years later when there'd been no rain and there'd been no dew on the ground and the crops had dried up and the fields had burned up, I'm sure Ahab would have blamed Elijah for every bit of it. Even though it was God's doing and the word came from God, I'm sure Elijah was on a wanted poster by Ahab. And many suggest that God put him down in Cherith to hide him and to protect him from those that would seek to destroy him. But I would submit unto you tonight that it was more a place of preparation than it was a place of protection. But you see, God could have as easily protected him out there on the battlefield as off somewhere in a gorge. It had been no difficulty for God to protect him standing right in front of Ahab as much as hiding him. Now, I believe more or less that what was going on and God put him aside, absent him from everybody else, is that he might prepare Elijah for everything God was going to do for him down the road. Again, I remind you that where God sent him to, was just a ravine or a gorge. It's outside of Jericho, a rocky gorge, a little bitty brook, dry brook during the summertime. But that's where God put Elijah. Now, I'm reminded tonight that as God works in our life and as God prepares our life, that he often places us in our own charades. 
He often puts us in difficult places. And He often puts us in barren places. And He often puts us in desert places. Puts us out there where there is no water, you might say. He puts us out there where it is an arid, barren wasteland. And sometimes we find ourselves in these difficult times. And what is so interesting about it is it's all of God's doings. It's all of God's design. Sometimes life is a charif. Sometimes life is a desert. Sometimes life is a gorge. Sometimes life is a barren, rocky place. But again, it's of God's doings. It's where God brings us to in life. It is what God is doing in our life and the areas of life that He brings us to and He brings us through. These places God puts us in. But yet I want to remind you now in the very beginning that it is in such places, even though they are barren, and even though they are rocky, and even though there is nothing pleasant about them, it is in such places that our faith is developed. It is in such places that principles are established in our life. It is in such places that foundations are dug in our heart. It is in such places that blessings are experienced and blessings are enjoyed. Understand this tonight. Before there will ever be a caramel in your life, there will be a cherith in your life. Before you ever get on the mountain somewhere, there's going to be a valley. And before you ever climb the heights, God's going to stick you off in a gorge somewhere. Before you ever celebrate God on Mount Carmel, somewhere you're going to learn about God in a place called Cherith. And so God puts us in those places. Why does God bring us to those places? Why did he set Elijah aside for three years? Why did he stick him over there in the middle of a gorge for three years? Well, I want to submit unto you there were three reasons why God took Elijah to a place called Cherith. I want to point them out to you. They're very simple. Write them down. First of all, I am reminded that it was a place of listening. You see, Cherith was a place of listening. Look at verse 2 and 3 again. Are you with me now? Follow me. Verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Here's God now speaking to Elijah. And he says to Elijah, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. There is a place of listening. Now, I think about the importance of listening in our life as a believer. I think about a little boy that told his mother one day, she was in the kitchen, he walked in and he says, Mama, he said, when I grow up, I want to be a minister. Well, the mother's face just lit up and she just beamed all over with pride and she laid down her dishes and walked over and put her arms around her little boy and said, Son, why do you want to be a minister? And the little boy said, it's a whole lot more fun to stand up and holler than it is to sit down and listen. Well, I want to remind you tonight that it may be, we may like the noise better, but it is very, very important that we learn to listen, to listen to God. Listening to God is important as a believer. If we are to know God, we're going to have to learn to listen to God. And if we are going to follow God, we're going to have to learn how to listen. If we are going to experience God in our life, we're going to have to learn how to listen. And if we're going to go anywhere with God, we've got to be able to hear God. And we've got to be able to listen to God. Now, I realize when it comes to many of us, that listening is not one of our fine arts. 
And for many of us listening, a lot of us are like this old fellow that I read about one time, had this old contrary mule. And he was trying, he was go, trying to get the mule, to, trying to lead the mule down the road. And a passerby walked by and commented on the way the mule was behaving. And the fellow says, oh, no, no. He said, I can make this mule do anything I want to with just one kind word. And the passerby said, it sure don't look like it. Well, the fellow just ignored him, reached over and picked up a two-by-four that was laying down beside the road and just clobbered the old mule and then turned around and looked at him and said, I simply have to get his attention first. Well, I want to remind you sometimes God has to get our attention. And a lot of times God puts us in situations to get us to listen. And God brings us to those places in our life and those moments in our life where he gets our attention that we might listen to God. Now, Elijah, his case was not a matter of God having to get his attention. It would appear that Elijah was a man that readily listened to God. But here's the point I want you to get. You'll find that listening was required. Here is a man now, God has taken to Cherith, and in the process of taking him to Cherith, there is the matter of listening to God. Associated with Cherith was Elijah hearing the word of God, and Elijah listening to God. Again, listening is very important. And I say it's important because I think of these two things. One, I think of the believer's ability to hear God's voice. The believer's ability to hear God's voice. Look at verse 2 again. Notice what the Bible said, the word of the Lord came. Now, here's the word of God coming to Elijah. Came unto Elijah saying, this is God now speaking to Elijah. This is God with something to say to Elijah. This is the voice of God, the word of God. Look at verse 5. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. God speaks in verse 2. And it's very obvious in verse 5 that Elijah hears what God has to say. It's very obvious that Elijah is a man in tune with God. This is a man that hears God. This is a man that recognizes the voice of God. This is a man that discerns the voice of God. And when God speaks, he hears and he responds. Again, it's very obvious that this is a man that has the ability to hear God's voice. Now, let me ask you the question. Don't respond, but I want you to think about it for a moment in your heart. Now, I want you to really think about this tonight. Do you have the ability to hear the voice of God? Tonight, could you, if God were to speak to you, would you know the voice of God? If God had something to say tonight, could you hear his voice? And if God wanted to say something to me, would I have the ability to hear the voice of God? Would I know that voice? Would I know this is God? This is His Word. This is the voice of my Heavenly Father that is speaking to me. Or would many of us tonight be like young Samuel? When God spoke to him, he didn't know who it was. You know the story, 1 Samuel 3. And three times God spoke to Samuel. And finally, Eli had to tell Samuel, go and say, speak, Lord, thy servant, listening. See, Samuel had not heard the word of God before, and he didn't know the word of God. But God spoke. He didn't recognize the voice of God. Would many of us be in the same category? If God had something to say, would we hear his voice? Second of all, could we, would we have the ability to hear the voice of God? I want you to understand something tonight. God speaks to his children. You know what Jesus said in John 10, 27? My sheep hear my voice. He made the statement, my sheep know my voice. And he also made the statement, my sheep hear my voice. 
Now, we have the ability and the capability that has been given to us by God and due to our relationship to God to hear God. God speaks to His children. God speaks to His children through the Word of God. And God speaks to His children by the Spirit of God. We are His sheep. And being in that relationship with God, we have the ability and yea, the capability of hearing the voice of God. But here's the issue. Do we hear the voice of God? And do we discern the voice of God? Do we know when God is speaking to us? Revelation chapter 2 and 3. There's a repeated statement in those two chapters. He that hath an ear, let him hear. The implication being there are some that can hear, they hath an ear, but the impl- there are some that do not hear. He that hath an ear, let him hear. You see, there may be some tonight, some believers, that even though they're a sheep in his pasture and have the ability and the capability of being able to hear God's voice, yet they do not have the ability to discern the voice of God. They do not understand. They do not know when God speaks to them. Now, God spoke to Elijah. He heard the Word of God. He discerned the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. He knew it was God. God was talking to him, and he recognized that. Would we know God's voice? If God was trying to say something to us tonight, would we hear the Word of God? There's the believer's ability to hear the voice of God. That leads me to a second thing. That is not only the believer's ability to hear God's voice, but the believer's necessity to hear God's voice. Now, you think with me just a moment. God speaks to Elijah, and Elijah hears the Word of God. He knows it's God. God says to Elijah, this is what I want you to do. Now, Elijah could have never obeyed that voice if he had not known that voice. So, first of all, Elijah is a man that that God is able to talk to. Elijah is a man that God's able to communicate with. But there's a very important matter in this matter of Elijah being able to hear. Because not only do you see the ability to hear God's voice, but the necessity to hear God's voice. For you see, God's word to Elijah involved God's plan and purposes for Elijah. Look at verse 3. Notice what he said to him. Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. Now you think about this for just a moment. The safety of Elijah depended upon him being able to hear God. The security of Elijah depended upon his ability to hear God. The supply, the sustenance of Elijah depended upon him being in tune with God and being able to hear God. Everything about the next three years to come depended totally if Elijah was going to make it. It depended upon the fact that he had to know the voice of God and hear from God. Now, you listen to me tonight. Listening to God is very, very, very important in our life as a believer. Being able to listen to God and being able to hear God and to know God is speaking is critical to the life of a child of God. How would we know the will of God if we can't hear God? How do we know what God's will and what God's plan and what God's purpose for our life is if we do not not have the ability to discern the voice of God? How do we know what God's designs for our life is? How do we know what God's directions for our life is if we're not able to hear God? I think about the matter of being a pastor. I heard once heard someone say years ago or read somewhere years ago that it takes a man 20 years to become a pastor. 
And the longer that I'm in the ministry, the more I realize the wisdom of that statement. Being a pastor is a constant process. It's a constant matter of learning and never, never stop growing, but it's a constant matter of learning all the time. But I look back through the years that I've tried to serve God, try to preach the Word of God, and try to be a pastor. I guess if there's anything that I have learned or am learning, it is the matter that I must be where I can hear God. Because everything about what God does here depends upon my ability to hear God. Same thing true whether it be any other pastor here. See, God didn't talk to the deacon board, and he doesn't talk to the congregation. He talks to the man that he puts over that congregation. And there are directions. If we're going to know where God wants us to go in the future, I've got to be able to hear him. And there are decisions that have to be made all the time. I've got to be able to hear God. And then being a pastor demands that I be somewhere where God, when he talks, I know he's talking. And when he speaks, I know he's speaking. But the same thing is true about the life of every child of God, not just the preacher. I want you to understand something. Being able to hear God is critical in your life as a believer. Being able to know God and to follow God and to walk with God and experience God, you've got to be where you can hear God. You've got to be where when God says something, you know what he says, and you know that it's him that's talking. If we're going to live in God's will, then we've got to be able to hear God. If we're going to go God's way, we've got to be able to hear God. It is essential. It is necessary. It is critical that we listen to God. You see, it was God's word that led Elijah to read. It was God's word that brought him there. It was God's word that put him there. It was God's word that kept him there. Now, in our case, our Cherith may be a place where God puts us. Let's say a gorge. A ravine over there on the backside of Jericho, down one of those hollers, down in one of those rocky places, down there in one of those old gorges where there's just old rocks and sand all around you and, and a little brook there that don't even run in the summertime. And God may put you in one of those places. It could be that God puts you there that he might do some talking to you. And we've got to listen to God. And some of the things, and one of the ways God works in our life is to bring us to a point where we are able to hear God. And we're able to listen to God. And we're able to know this is my Father that is talking to me. This is God. This is what He's saying to me. This is what He's saying to my heart. And He puts us in these places that we might listen. Places where we are forced to get a word from God. And a place where we listen to God. Now, most of you know the name Bill Stafford. And I remember a number of years ago, the first went to Lupton Drive back in 1981. And Bill had pastored there about uh, six, seven, or ten years before me. And I remember right after I went there, uh, his wife Sue was in the hospital, in Memorial Hospital, I think, was having some tests run, a biopsy or something. There's a possibility she might have, uh, that they thought she might have cancer. And I heard about it, and I went by the hospital room. When I went in, Sue had already been taken out. Bill was sitting there. We sat down and talked and different things, had prayer together. But I'll never forget what he said to me that day. He said, we're just listening to God, and we're just waiting to hear what God is saying to us. Now, what he was saying to me in that was, first of all, he was expecting God to say something, and he believed that whatever was going on in his life, this situation in their life, was that God wanted to say something to them through what was going on in their life. And second of all, he's trying to find out and hear what God was saying in that situation. And it may be the situation you're in. It may be the situation you are going through. Your Sharif. It may be that God has brought you there 
He may put you out there that you might lean on the Lord. You see, Cherith was a place where Elijah would have to lean on God. Cherith was a place where Elijah was going to have to trust God. Bad. Put him over in a desert. And he put him over there in a situation where Elijah was going to have to lean on God day by day by day. And Elijah was going to have to lean on God. This is all of God's doings. That the reason I'm going through what I'm going through is because this is what God wanted me to go through. Or this is my cherith. This is where God brought me to. And sometimes he brings us those places that we might learn to trust God. Now you think about the hour. There was the conditions that existed in the land. God, told her, God said to Elijah, you go over and tell Ahab. You go over and tell him it's not going to rain for three years. Go over and tell him there's not even going to be dew on the ground for three years. What did that mean? That meant a terrible famine was coming. I mean, that meant there's going to be terrible times in the land. So you imagine now the conditions that existed in the land and top it all off with the circumstances of the place that Elijah was in. Again, God could have sent him way off somewhere and, and got him in a very lush place where he can lean back against a coconut tree and shot coconuts off and pull bananas off every day and cooled his feet in cool water every day. But no, God stuck him over there in an old gorge and put him in those kind of circumstances. And what he had, put him in a place where he had no choice but to trust God and had no choice but to depend upon God. You see, our cherries sometimes are not only a place of listening, but they're a place of leaning, for example. First of all, I think of how Elijah would have to, one, rely on the promises of God. Look at verse 4. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, this was the promise. This is all that Elijah had. God said, I want you to go across the Jordan River. You know where Jericho is, just down, just right behind Jericho, down in that deep gorge there, uh, Cherith there. I want you to go over and hide. And he said, don't worry about it. I'm going to feed thee. I'll take care of you. And I've commanded the ravens to bring you food every day and whatever. That's the only thing. For you see, when Elijah got over there, Elijah knew that the only way he'd survive over there in Cherith was that God would have to take care of him. So that God, that was God's promise to him. And day by day by day by day, Elijah had to rely on the promises of God. Every day of his life, he had to rely on the fact that what God said was true. Now, you listen to me. There are times in our life when God brings us to a place that we just have to take God at his word. And we just have to rely on the promises of God. That we have nowhere else to turn. We have nothing else to do. We just simply take God at his word and rely on the promises of God. It's like the psalmist said, Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord. And Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord. There are times that God brings us to and places He brings us to in life where we have to trust in the Lord. And we have to rest in the Lord. And maybe that's what your cherith is. You're brought to that place where you have to rely on God's promises. But not only did He was, was put in a place where He had to rely on God's promises, but second of all, He had to rely on God's provisions. Now you take the time again, a famine, dry, terrible famine in the land. And the place over there in the middle of a rocky gorge... He demanded that God supply his need. I want you to understand something. There wasn't any Burger King for Elijah to drive through out there in Sharif. There wasn't even a pizza hut with home delivery in it. I don't know what I could do without not a cheese-filled pizza or, a, you know, a, one of those barbecue pizzas from Pizza Hut. Praise God. I love those things. But I, there wasn't no pizza hut out there in Sharif. There wasn't no Burger King. 
And if he really wanted to splurge, he wouldn't know no mandos to go to out there in Cherie. He's out there where he had to trust God. And maybe that's where you're at, where you have to trust God. God has made the promise that he'll supply your needs. And maybe your Tarith is a place where you have to depend upon God to meet your needs. Again, God sometimes puts us in the place where we have to lean on him and we have to trust him. But let me give you a third and a final thing. Not only is there a place of leaning, alert listening, and a place of leaning, but thirdly, it was a place of learning. What was Tarith? Elijah said, God said, I want you, this is where I want you to go. He goes out there in that gorge, out there in that ravine, that little brook out there. And during that time when there was no water around, there was God taking care of him. It was a place where he learned some things about God. I'll never forget, when I was getting ready to leave the night before we left to go off to Bible college, I'll never, never forget what my pastor said to me. And Sherry and I had just been married about a month, maybe less than that. We went over the, over the pastor's house for supper that night. And afterwards, me and him took a walk down through the driveway and we were talking about different things. But he said to me that night, he said, you're going to school to get an education. He said, I want you to understand something. God is putting you in school to get more than an education. And I didn't understand what he meant in those days, but this is what he said to me. He said, one of these days, you're going to stand before people and you're going to tell them that God can supply their needs. He said, God's going to teach you that he can supply their needs. And he said, one day you're going to tell people that God's grace is sufficient. He said, God is going to teach you that God's grace is sufficient. And he said, you're going to tell people one day that God answers prayer. He said, God's going to teach you that he answers prayer. And I didn't understand what he was saying then, but I look back now and I look at the things and realize he knew exactly what, what God was doing in my life. But you see, there's things we learn and there are places God puts us in in order that we might learn these things. Now, what is it Elijah learned at Charith? Let me just give you two things briefly. One, he learned something about God's ability. He learned something about God's ability. Look in verse 5. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. Look at this in verse 6. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, he learned firsthand down at Cherith that God's word was dependable, and he learned firsthand down there by Cherith that God's power was able. God fed him. Look at this story. This is amazing. God fed him twice a day, bread and flesh, or bread and meat, we might say. And God brought in food twice a day and fed him through the whole time. And this is what even is more amazing. In an hour when everything was drying up, in an area where water did not flow during the summertime to start with, when everybody else, their fields was dry and their ponds were empty, over there in a place where water normally did not flow, water was flowing. God was taking care of Elijah. You know what he was doing? He was teaching Elijah, if you'll listen to me and you'll trust me and you'll take me at my word, I will be God in your life and I'll take care of you. You see, God, that may be where you're at tonight. You may be in one of those situations where you feel like God has brought you down the Cherith and just swallowed you up in a gorge somewhere. And you find yourself in one of those difficult times. It may be that God wants to teach you the kind of God He is. 
He wants to get God out of your mind and jump into your heart where you realize that he's more than a storybook figure to admire. He's a blessed reality and resource to live in day by day. And that God can do something in your life just like he has another. God wants you to lean on him so you can learn that he is God. I heard a story not too long ago. In fact, when I was driving to West Virginia a few weeks ago in a meeting, I was listening to a tape and a missionary was giving her testimony. And it was a woman missionary. And this blessed the socks off of me. This woman, she served the Lord on the mission field for 35 years. And she told about how she was getting ready to leave for the field. And this had been a number of years ago. And as she was getting ready to leave, she was getting a train ticket to go to uh, one of the cities on the East Coast and then to sail to the country she's going to. She said someone walked up to her, a friend, and handed her a sealed envelope. And looked at her and says, if you ever get to the place you don't have anywhere else to turn, open this envelope. That lady went to the mission field. She put that envelope in her belongings. She went to the mission field. 35 years later, she returned. And she got up in a service and she pulled out of her Bible that envelope still sealed. She had no idea what was in it. And she said, I have never got to the place that I had nowhere else to go. What she was doing was testifying that God is able to take care of us. And God is able to be God in our life. And it may be where God has put you is God wants you to know he's God. And God wants to prove to you that he's God. And your trial and your situation and your dark hour, your truth may be where God is going to reveal to you his ability and show you that you always have somewhere to go. But there's the second and final thing, and I'm through. Not only did Elijah learn something about God's ability, he learned something about God's authority. You know what Elijah learned? He learned God had control over the rain, and he learned that God had control over the ravens. He learned that if God said clouds... Shut the doors and the clouds obeyed anything God wanted. If God said, I don't want it to rain, then the rain balked up and they said, oh, aye, aye, captain, and the rain obeyed God. You take a raven, which was considered an unclean bird to the Jewish people. If God said to a raven, run down to McDonald's and take a Big Mac over to Elijah, that's exactly what the raven would do. He learned that God had authority and that all nature bowed to the authority and to the lordship of God. Out there in the middle of nowhere, you know what he learned? He learned that he's on the throne. And he learned that God is Lord. And he learned that God is in control. Out in the middle of Cherith, in a gorge, down there in a rock pile, you might say, Elijah learned of God's ability and he learned of God's authority. It's no wonder that one day he'd walk out in the middle of a great host of Baal worshipers and say, don't worry about it. My God is God and the Lord God liveth. No wonder why. He learned out there in the middle of nowhere that God was God. And he learned that if a man would listen to God and lean on God, and he would learn the kind of God that he was. That may be where you're at. So we're glad we took a trip to Cherise. Say amen. We'll hop on the bus and we'll head on down the Zarephath next Wednesday night. Take your prayer sheet, if you would, please. We're going to come in just a moment and pray. But I want you to remember these special things tonight we want to be praying for. 
One of our own missionaries here for our Missionary of the Week is Frank and Paula Gant, serving in Mexico. And, of course, they're with Baptist International Missions Incorporated, Frank and Paula. Many, some of you are new. Frank and Paula was in this church a number of years ago. And served, they served the Lord in Jamaica for a number of years. And now they're serving the Lord in Mexico. And so I want to remember Frank and Paula. Our Church of the Week is, is Victory Baptist Church in North Augusta. Brother Larry Brown, he's been in town for a meeting this week. This is where Brother Aaron is coming from. And so our gain would be their loss. And so we want to remember them tonight. In fact, Brother Brown said to me the other day, it's been a couple, I guess a week or so ago, hey, I, I don't know how many staff members they have at uh, Victory there. I don't know, 12, 15. They have a, a, a large number of staff members there. But he, he made a statement to me. He said, of all the people that I'll lose that will affect us the most, it will be Aaron. And so we want to remember them and be praying for them tonight and pray that the Lord would touch them. And uh, Brother Larry, we've got to get him here sometime. He's a real dignified fellow. Anybody ever heard of Larry Brown preach? Uh, we've got to get him here sometime. You'll, uh, you'll like him. Just a real quiet fellow, but you'll really like him. But let's remember Victory Baptist Church in North Augusta. And I tease when I say uh, quiet, listen, uh, those fellas down there, they're wild as buck rabbits. Anyway, but look at our hospital list. Be praying for Beulah Davis. She was going home this afternoon. She's expecting a doctor to come in. I saw her this evening. And, and let her go home. But we want to remember it, Beulah. Also, Juanita Warnick at Huntsville Hospital. And, of course, we continue to pray for Barbara Cole, praying that God would open her heart to the gospel and that she might be saved. Miss Hubbard at Tri-County, and she was hoping, just maybe hoping the doctor would let her go back to the nursing home this evening. It all depend on how she was doing. And then uh, Roland Mitchell's dad, James Mitchell, is in the hospital and want to be praying for him. And then, of course, uh, Patty Williams' mother, Miss Medley in Charleston, West Virginia. And then at the very bottom of the page, notice there that uh, Brother J.C. Anderson's brother-in-law passed away, and we do not know of any arrangements that have been made yet, but he'd be at Lane Southcrest. So let's remember J.C. and the death of his brother-in-law. I want you to come. Let's gather around the altar. I want you to come. I want you to pray for our missionary of the week. I want you to pray for our church of the week. And, but I want you to also pray for God's word. Ask God, Lord, I want to be able to hear you. I want to be able to hear you, Lord. I want to be in tune with you that you can talk to me. You can talk to me. You can tell me what you want, and I'll be able to hear it, and I'll know your voice and listen to your voice. And uh, just, just come. Say, dear God, I want to trust you and lean upon you. It may be tonight some of you are going through one of those times in your life where you feel like God has hid you over by a tree. But I want to remind you tonight, I hope that you'll find strength and comfort in knowing that God put Elijah there for a reason and God has you there for a reason and they're wonderful things to learn. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we come to you, we come to you on the authority of your word and on the finished work of Jesus Christ, knowing that our only merits of approaching you is the blood of Jesus Christ. So we come. And fathers, we come tonight, we come to bring our petitions to you as a body of believers. Father, we know that there's not a greater force in the world than a praying church. And there's not a greater power in the world than a people that pray. And so, fathers, we come tonight, we want to bring these petitions to the throne of God that you might hear our cries and that you might work according to these things we pray about. Father, tonight we pray for our missionary of the week. We pray for Frankie and for Paula. We pray for their work there in Mexico, their church over here in the village, and then the other work. I pray, dear God, you bless both of these works. I pray you bless Frankie. Touch his body and 
touch Paul, and I pray you meet their every need. Thank you, Lord, for their commitment, for their dedication. Father, I pray you bless the work there. Open the hearts of the Spanish people there. Make their hearts receptive to the gospel. So many have been blinded by the God of this world and blinded by religion. God, bring them to Jesus Christ. Open their eyes to understand that religion's not going to save them. Only Jesus Christ can save them. Father, I pray you bless Frankie. I pray tonight for Victory Baptist in North Augusta. Brother Larry Brown, thank you for this servant of God, this man of God. Thank you for this amazing work that you're doing there. Thank you for how the hand of God is on that place and the amazing things that, God, you do there week in and week out. Father, we ask you to continue to bless them and to continue to prosper them. I pray, Lord, that you'd meet every need they have and, God, that just keep on going forward for the glory of God. But touch them. Thank you for the fires of revival that burn there. I pray, Lord, you continue to fan those billows and continue to touch this servant of God. And then, Lord, for our church folk tonight, I pray for those in the hospital. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with each one of them. In particular tonight, we pray for Barbara. We pray for her salvation. We pray, God, for her physical recovery that, we might, that she might be brought to Jesus Christ. And for others, Lord, we pray, God, for them. Be it Brother Anderson and the death of his brother-in-law. For all of these needs, we lift them up to you, Lord, and ask you, God, that your will be done, that you'd move. And then on the Lord's day as we gather here, God, may there be a fresh anointing of the Spirit of God. May the glory of God be on this place. May the people come to worship God and to offer sacrifices that are so fitting unto you. I pray to your God, don't let us be normal. Lord, don't let us fall into the average we have in this generation. But may this be a place where the power of God is seen and the power of God is felt. And Lord, if people, when they come, their heart is stirred and their heart is moved by the working of the Spirit of God. Touch us on the Lord's day, anoint us, and may the power of God be upon us. Father, we thank you now for the things you do in our life. We thank you, Lord, even for the Therese. Thank you, Lord, for those places where we have to depend on you and how we have to trust you. And in so doing, we learn the kind of God that you are. Give us an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Let us hear you. Let us know the voice of God. Let us follow the voice of God. Get us, Lord, in tune with you, that we walk with you and we hear you day in and day out. Lead us as a church. Guide us as a people that we might be brought into our blessings. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things. Amen. Are you glad to be saved tonight? Say amen. You're dismissed. It's five after eight. I got you out on time. Say amen. That's the reason Aaron's battery went out on Sunday night. I used it so much on Sunday morning. You're dismissed. Fellowship is your league.